You may notice in your bulletin that we have an insert for those who want to be in the play, the Christmas play. Uh, I know it seems a little early to be talking about Christmas, but a few blinks of the eye and it will be here. And so if you'd like to be in the play, then you need to see Vonnie Dixon. Where's Vonnie? Everybody knows Vonnie's over here. And she has her phone number there. You can contact her. I've already read the script, and it's good. I don't know what she's going to do because every Christmas play has gotten better and better. That just puts more and more pressure on you, Vonnie. So anyway, last time it was a huge success, and if you'd like to be a part of that, then just contact her. Also, we have Friday night at the movies this Friday. It's going to be one of my favorites is The African Queen with Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn. So, uh, remember that. Okay, let's prepare ourselves in our usual fashion. We'll have a few moments of silent prayer, which gives us the opportunity to name privately to God the Father any unconfessed sins, which ensures the filling of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time you've given us to assemble ourselves together in obedience to your word, but also in eagerness, for we recognize that we live in very troubling times. It's easy to get disturbed, to worry, to fret. However, that's not the life that you have given to us, the opportunity to overcome all these things to remain contented and happy regardless of our circumstances. And these are things that we must learn. So we pray that you will help us to learn them this morning as we study your word. For we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Remember the first and most important thing, or at least one of the most important things, to remember about happiness, and happiness is our subject matter today because we're on the tenth floor of the divine domain. Uh, do we have a... It's not on? It's on? Oh, okay. Um, the tenth floor of the divine domain is sharing the happiness of God. This is the penthouse. This is where God would have us all reside. However, very few do because you have to start on the first floor. Everybody wants to go right to the top. But you have to have capacity to have happiness. And one of the first principles that we have to remember is that happiness is always related to God. Now, that one is non-negotiable. And most people don't get that. They're out there. They're trying to get happiness, like the old country song. They're looking in all the wrong places. The place to look for happiness, at least to start, is in the Bible. And most people are unfamiliar with the Bible. but They don't know the Old Testament from the New Testament. So they go to church sometimes just to give a nod to God and think that's going to bring them some good luck. Good luck with God. So that launches me into an an issue 
that I think needs to be covered, and it has to do with luck, uh, good luck in God and happiness. Um, some people think that you can be happy, but you can't be happy unless you're lucky. If you're lucky, you have good fortune, and then you can be happy, but if you're one of those unlucky souls, then you're just essentially doomed for an unhappy life. And that just ain't so. That's what I'm going to explain to you. One reason that people think that way is because of what the dictionary has to say about happiness. This was a little surprising to me. The Webster Seventh New Collegiate Dictionary defines happy this way. The first one, first definition says, favored by luck or fortune, fortunate. Have you ever heard of the expression, happy go lucky? Happy go lucky. They're linking luck with happiness. And I'm going to try to deconstruct that ridiculous idea uh, with scriptures and just common sense. Then you have happiness is defined as good fortune, prosperity, characterized by good luck. A state of well-being and contentment. Then you have happily as defined as fortunate, luckily, by chance, in a happy manner or state. And then you have successfully. In other words, luckily and successfully go together. Now they're linking not only happiness, but success. So if you're going to be successful in life, what do you have to have? Good luck. If you're going to be happy in life, what do you have to have? Good luck. And all I can say to you is good luck with that idea. <laughs> of course, I say that uh, tongue-in-cheek. Some people claim that they're unhappy because they're unlucky. Some call it bad karma. I call it malarkey. <laughs> malarkey is a good term, by the way. It means nonsense. So they blame their misery and their discontent on bad luck rather than their own bad attitude and bad decisions. This is an easy what we might call cop-out. Things are going poorly, and it's certainly not your fault. Oh, that's the last place we go. It's somebody else's fault. If nobody's handy, we'll just blame God. But most people just say, well, they're unlucky. Like they have a cloud over their head. This dark cloud is like bad luck. Well, the height of arrogance is when a person is blessed by God and attributes it to being lucky. Um, to me, that is the height of arrogance. And what always goes with arrogance? Ignorance. So they're ignorant of the fact that God is blessing them and they're calling it good luck. In fact, some even say that they think they're lucky stars that they're so fortunate. They think they're lucky stars rather than the Lord. I have an uncle that is the biggest joke teller I have ever seen in my life. He could, he could, if he was with you all day, he could tell jokes continuously and never tell the same joke twice. I don't know how he does it. 
But one of his jokes is, I know it's corny, but he says, um, I think my lucky stars, I don't believe in astrology. <laughs> Here are a few expressions that we use that have to do with luck. You have bad luck, but this rabbit's foot will bring you good luck. No, I don't want it on right now. Um, I know that it didn't bring such good luck to the rabbit, but in any case, I don't know how that got started, but some people call a, care a rabbit's foot for good luck. Uh, then we have, she was lucky, he was unlucky, you're pushing your luck, he was down on his luck, he lucked out, she was out of luck, but he was in luck. Well, that's just the luck of the draw. He lucked into that job. She was luckier than him, and he was the luckiest man in the world. Now, what we have is bad luck, good luck, lucky, unlucky, pushing your luck, down on his luck, lucked out, out of luck, in luck, luck of the draw, lucked into, luckier, luckiest, and then I have one more. Luckily, I ran out of uh, luck expressions. <laughs> You see, we use these terms all the time, don't we? We think, and, and we think that they really don't have any bearing. But you may, may even use these expressions. And I'm here to tell you that luck is no more real than Santa Claus, the Tooth Fairy, or Mother Nature. What is this thing about Mother Nature anyway? I was watching the news, and they were talking about this... Uh, tropical storm or depression, whatever, came in. It was talking about, well, it, it, the people had to leave from skimming the oil off the surface, and that's not a good thing. But there is a good thing in this because Mother Nature will take care of the oil in various ways. And I'm thinking, Mother Nature, where did they come up with it? Who dreamed that one up? Mother Nature. Isn't Mother Nature grand? If you ever watch Channel 8 and you watch the... Um, they have nature programs on there and National Geographic and these type of things. And they're somewhat instructive, but you have to be careful because they're never going to attribute anything to God. It's always Mother Nature. And then they talk about evolution and how uh, some guy evolved so many million years ago and so forth. And you have to wade through all of that to get to the things that are really interesting. But this thing of uh, luck is just like people buy into the idea of Mother Nature. I hope none of you around me say Mother Nature because that is just an expression that man made up. There is no mother of nature. It kind of goes to like Mother Earth and Gaia and this type of thing. Well, I guess you could have a gay gaya, couldn't you? That would really be something. Anyway, let's go to some scriptures to see what the Bible has to say about this luck issue. And the first one we're going to go to is Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 14. Now I'll show you on the board. I didn't want you to see my last line there. Luckily, he ran out of expressions. So I had it darkened for you. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Verse 14. 
Or you can look up here on the board. I don't think that's big enough, is it? If you see, let's go to 100 here. That's a little better. Ecclesiastes 7.14. In the day of prosperity, be happy. That's a good idea, isn't it? You wouldn't think that the Bible would have to instruct someone in the day of prosperity to be happy. Because isn't that when a person is happy anyway, when everything is going prosperous? Not so. Some of the richest people in the world are the unhappiest people in the world. And there are people who acquire certain riches, treasures, wealth, and so forth. And they're anything but happy because they are dreading the idea that they might not have it someday. Or what do you do with it? Money is a commodity. It's just like anything else. It's like stuff. You've got to do something with it. You've got to store it somewhere. You've got to protect it from somewhere. And you don't want people to get it, but it doesn't matter whether... People rob a bank and steal your money. Uh, inflation is, is eating away at it every day, and people lay awake at night that have a bunch of money, and they're thinking, what can I do? They're anything but happy. So the Bible is saying, in the day of prosperity, be happy. But what the Bible also says, and it doesn't say it here, but it says it in other scriptures, in the day of adversity, be happy. That's the idea. So, in the day of prosperity, be happy. But in the day of adversity, consider. God has made the one as well as the other. Nothing can come into his life, good or bad, unless God allows it. Now, that's a key factor. Because if you're not grounded in the Word of God, and you don't have doctrinal precepts to fall back on, when life grabs a hold of you and gives you a, a good shake, what's going to happen is, is you're going to be melancholy, you're going to be blue, you're going to be afraid, you're going to be unhappy. But what you need to understand is that nothing comes into your life that God doesn't allow. So when you're in, ad in, in adversity, it's not that you have bad luck. And you look at other people and say, well, they're the lucky ones. Look at me. I'm poor, pitiful me. I just have bad luck. No. God is bringing that into your life probably to get your attention. There's a purpose in it. So he brings both one as well as the other, prosperity and adversity, and therefore a purpose. And you are to be happy and content with it all. Then we have Job chapter 42, verse 2. And this is Job. He says, I... Know that thou canst do all things, and that no purpose of thine can be thwarted. So if it's God's purpose for you to have prosperity at even given, any given time, are you going to have prosperity? Yes. Can anything prevent it? No. What about your own bad decisions? No. When God wants to prosper you, He's going to prosper you. Sometimes God gives prosperity to people as a test. And the same is true with adversity. Here's a good one. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9 through 10. I want you to go to this one. This is a powerful, powerful verse. Isaiah 
God is telling us something about Himself. About His omnipotence and His omniscience. Isaiah 46, 9. Excuse me. Remember the former things long past. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been, have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. So what this is essentially telling us and informing us is that God is in control. It's not luck. It's some, not some kind of nebulous force that falls over our lives and has control. God is in control of every small detail. I think about, I was thinking about this when I uh, was talking about the different phrases, expressions with luck, saying he was, he was uh, down on his luck and then he was, uh, what was it about uh, unlucky hand? What was it? Uh, oh, the luck of the draw. That's it, what I was thinking about. The luck of the draw. Well, some people like to gamble, and I never was uh, interested in gambling because I always had to work too hard for my money. And if I gamble, I'm not a good gambler. I can't show, if I have a a really good hand, I kind of get giddy. And if I have a bad hand, I'm just, you know, all blue. I'm just no good at it. And the few times that I've tried it, it just, I just... My stack just goes cheap like this. So I'm not into gambling, but I'm thinking um, the luck of the draw. Even in the draw, if you are sitting and playing a five-card draw, and they give you so many cards, and then you bet and so forth, and you can get some more if you want to. But I was thinking, even if it was penny-ante poker, it doesn't matter what the, the, the limit is or what the money is. I think... In fact, I know that God is involved in every bit of that. Every card that you've ever drawn, there was a purpose behind it because God is involved in everything in your life. If his eye is on the sparrow, it's certainly on you. He knows what you're thinking. And and this is, by the way, this is not a... I'm, I'm not trying to solicit gambling here. I'm just trying to make a point. Um, Everything that happens in your life, from the very smallest to the very largest, God is involved. And what that does is just squeeze out all that nonsense about luck and chance and and good or bad fortune, depending upon whether you're lucky or not. And it puts God where he should be and is appropriate to be, is in the driver's seat. He's in control of all things. Romans 8, 28. You shouldn't even have to look here. You should already know this verse. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Why don't you go there just anyway. Romans 8, 28. I remembered this verse by saying, and we know that God works all things 
This says causes all things. Same idea there. And we know that God works all things together for good. Now, that doesn't mean that everything he, he, he causes is going to be good. But he works it for good, and he does it to those who love him. Most Christians don't love God, and they may sit in a pew and sing, Oh, how I love Jesus, and they don't know squat about Jesus because they don't know his word. And so here we see that God causes, and what I wanted you to do here is all things. I want you to underline that part. All things, little things, big things, it doesn't matter what it is. God is so involved in your life. Every thought, every decision, every action, everything, God is right there. That's what omniscient means. He knows what you're thinking now. He'll know, he knows what you're going to choose to uh, eat today. I don't know if you know or not. Maybe some of you do. Maybe somebody's have a roast in the, in, at home in the kitchen. But you're not certain you're going to eat that. Maybe you'll get an invitation. And maybe, maybe you'll eat somewhere else. Maybe you'll get in a car wreck. You wind up eating hospital food. Maybe Christ will return. We're not going to be worried about eating then, will we? So we don't know for sure uh, about the choices and decisions we make, but God causes or works all things, even the little things, together for your good. And there is no one other than the God of Isaiah 46, 9 and 10 that can do that. Can even take your bad decisions. You know, a lot of people think, well, I know that how great God is, but I also know how weak and stupid I am sometimes. And they don't think that God can overcome their foibles and their bad decisions and so forth. But this says he works even those. Even when you make the wrong decision, if you are loving God, if you have doctrine in your soul, he's going to work it all together for good. What a verse. And I believe that that pretty well puts a stake through the heart of luck. Here we have James one seventeen. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Let's go there, too. James 1.17. Because just as in Romans 8.28, I had you underline all things. Here, I want you to underline every good thing and every perfect gift. Now, that pretty well covers it, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but I cringe when someone is benefited or blessed and they say, boy, aren't I lucky? And I have to put a sock in my mouth to keep from going off on a tirade and explaining that uh, luck is about as real as a tooth fairy. So every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of light. That means there is no such thing as good luck. Forget it. It's not there. Believers who think they're unlucky because they don't have as much as others are usually full of self-pity, envy, and ungratefulness. On your worst day, you probably, there's no probably about it, you had more than probably, I don't know, three-fourths of the world. When you were at your poorest, 
you are, were living still like kings compared to the rest of the world. So we always have something to give uh, gratitude to the Lord for, and yet people will just say, well, it's just bad luck. Superstitions are based on luck. Some believe superstitions like walking under a ladder, breaking a mirror, a black cat crossing your path, or opening an umbrella inside brings bad luck. Now, I don't know if you're superstitious or not, but I'm telling you, if you're superstitious, get over it. Because it's linked to luck. When I was in construction, <laughs> I don't know whether this was a good thing to do or not, but I would do this, especially if I knew someone was superstitious. And there's ladders all over construction jobs. And I would make a point. I would never walk around the ladder. I would always walk under it. Sometimes I would just stand there. <laughs> Look, I was waiting for a taker to say, what are you doing standing under a ladder? I would just love it when they would say, well, don't you know that's bad luck? And I was, I'm so glad you said that. Let me tell you something about luck. I don't know where these expressions came from. Have you ever cringed a bit when a black cat ran, ran in front of your path? Or have you ever broken a mirror? Now, some of us can break a mirror without even touching it. <laughs> some morning you wake up and your mirror just goes... So all of these things uh, people think bring bad luck are knocking on wood, throwing salt over your shoulder, carrying a rabbit's foot or putting a horseshoe over the door brings good luck. What about that? Well, we already went over the rabbit's foot thing. Um, you'd have to carry the whole rabbit in your pocket, I guess. It's still alive to make it good luck because he's still alive. I don't know how that... And, but I do know about at least one of these. Have you ever heard the expression, and you've probably seen people that have done this, uh, something has happened that is fortunate or good in their life, and they'll go, uh, well, I hope I get another raise uh, next, next week, or uh, knock on wood. You ever heard that before? Well, that seems like a harmless expression. First of all, it's dealing with luck again. But what makes it even worse is the fact that uh, this is part of pantheism. There are those who think that, that God is in everything. And when they're knocking on wood, they're, they're waking up the God in that tree or whatever, in this desk or whatever it is, uh, for them to give them good fortune. And these are seen to be harmless, but we should rise above the mundane and the normal expressions. And if we're going to use expressions, I think they ought to be uh, more biblical in nature. The horseshoe over the door. I had an old horseshoe that I found around my place. And I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't want to throw it away. So I, up in my tool room out in the barn, I put a nail up there and put it over the, over the door. And about the second day I went through there, I slammed the door and it fell. It nearly hit me on the head, I think. <laughs> Got the point. Sorry about that one, Lord. I, uh, good luck. See, I could excuse it. Well, I didn't know where to put it. Might as well put it over the door. What, why, why not put it in, a, in the closet or something? So we all are familiar with these things. And they have to do with... See, what people do is link happiness with luck. I never thought about it until this morning when I was going over a few things. Because we say, oh, he's happy-go-lucky. 
But if you slow it down, you say, happy, go lucky. In other words, you're happy when things are going well, when you're lucky. So these things seem to be harmless, but they are manifestations of not totally trusting God for protection and provision. In the extremes, these things can be akin to sorcery, divination, and soothsaying, which was condemned by God. This, this idea of being superstitious is nothing new. And I've been around people who are so superstitious. I mean, they're very, um, they're very serious about doing something that you might have seen in sports. Somebody will wear the same jersey or, or they'll uh, do some little ritual before uh, they go out on the field, whatever it may be. And I'm telling you that believers ought not be doing those things because you should be communing with God all the time. Uh, that's what the Bible says with regards to prayer. In any issue that you are facing where you want to have good fortune... You need to go to the one that is in control. And we are to give him our requests. Now, when you give a request to God, there's no guarantee that he's going to answer it the way that you want it to be answered. But that's where we go to. We don't go to soothsayers or diviners or sorcerers or any of that kind of thing. And that's what they used to do. They would have, they would have potions. We'll drink this potion or, or they'd always have some kind of gimmick. Look, has nothing to do with true happiness. Happiness is related to God, and the better you know Him through His Word, the more capacity you have to be happy. Happiness takes capacity. And it doesn't take any capacity to when you're walking by a ladder and you have to walk around the ladder just because you think it might be bad luck to walk under it. That doesn't take any real commitment on your part, doesn't take any effort. But true happiness is something that has to be learned, and it takes effort. It takes concentration. You have to avail yourself of proper teaching from the Word. That's what Paul had to learn. Remember, we went over that last Sunday? It's not something that just happens. And in our society... These little innuendos, these little sayings, these little rituals, these little things are everywhere. And whenever you stand firm for, your, for the faith and somebody says, uh, don't you want to... Uh, there's one, I, I remember more come to my mind as I'm talking, when um, at the Apollo Theater, whenever an actor would come out, there's a stone there and they would rub the stone. Uh, I think it was at uh, Notre Dame when the guys went out on the play, playing field, they had to touch a certain... Uh, trophy or whatever it may be. And these, these are little acts of demonstrating that you're not completely trusting in God and that this, what could, people think, well, what could it hurt? What does it hurt to knock on wood? Well, I said that God is watching. Either He is in control or He's not. Either you're depending on Him or you're not. And so we need to be careful that we don't slump down and get sloppy buying into these ideas. Now, I want you to turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 
Now, I just made the point that luck has nothing to do with true happiness, and happiness is related to God. Always it's related to God. And the better you know Him through His Word, the more capacity you have to be happy. So, the more capacity you have to be happy, the more you're going to be happy. So, if you want to be happy, let's go to Proverbs 8 and read what the Bible has to say about uh, happiness. And you're going to, you might look at it when we first start reading it, you might think it's somewhat strange because it's talking about wisdom. In fact, in this whole chapter, or at least, yeah, in chapter 8, wisdom is personified. That means that it's as if wisdom was a person. And the reason that we're going here is because if you don't have wisdom, I'm not talking about intelligence, I'm not talking about IQ, I'm talking about wisdom which is only obtained from the Word of God, then forget about going to the being on the tenth floor of the penthouse of the divine domain. Forget about having capacity for happiness and go around and walk around ladders and put a horseshoe over your door and throwing salt over your shoulder. I don't know about you. I don't know what Carrie would do if I was in the kitchen and all of a sudden I started throwing salt over my shoulder. I don't think she'd appreciate that. Okay, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1. Does not wisdom call and understanding lift up her voice? On top of the heights beside the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate at the opening to the city, at the entrance of the doors, she cries out. Now, this doesn't mean much to us, but it was at the gates of the city where teaching took place. This is uh, many times where they had uh, trials and where the public could come, and it was a place where they would meet together. And he's saying that this is where wisdom, uh, beside, beside the gates, at the opening to the city, at the entrance of the door, she cries out. At the place where people, in other words, wisdom is available. Verse 4. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O naive ones, discern prudence, and O fools, discern wisdom. Listen, for I shall speak noble things, and the opening of my lips with, will produce right things. For my mouth will utter truth. And wickedness is, in, is an abomination to my lips. See, this is just, just think when you're thinking about wisdom, he's talking about Bible doctrine. All the utterance of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing crooked or perverted in them. They are all straightforward to him who, who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Look at that. Underline that. Find knowledge. You just Some people think, especially younger people, they think, well, when a person grows up, they become an adult, and the older they live, the more wise they are. Well, that's not so. There are some young people that are wise beyond their years and mature because they have, they have found wisdom, or at least some wisdom. And others, it doesn't matter what age you are, are squandering their life, they're still, uh, they still haven't found wisdom or knowledge. Verse 10, Take my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choicest gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all desirable things cannot compare with her. This is talking about Bible doctrine. There's nothing that compare 
with the wisdom that you can acquire by taking in the Word consistently over and over as you go up the floors, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, on up to the tenth floor. Nothing can compare with the value of that. Verse 12, I, wisdom, dwell in prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. You know what discretion is there? Discretion is very similar to discernment. It means you can discern as to when to speak and when to keep quiet. You can discern when you should do this and not do that. It takes discernment comes from wisdom. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way, and, I, and the perverted mouth I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. Power is mine. By me, kings reigns and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who judge rightly. I love those... I love those who love me and those who diligently seek me. Guess what I want you to underline there? That whole thing. God, it's true that God is love and He loves all mankind with unconditional love, but there is a special love, a personal love that He has for those who have acquired wisdom and now they have capacity for happiness and they have capacity to love Him. So I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me. If you want wisdom, you want to be happy, you can learn it. It's there, but you've got to seek it. In fact, the King James Version there says, Seek me early. You young people have a great step up on the rest that don't have wisdom. Some people do not find wisdom at all, and some don't find it until later on in life. The earlier you find it, the more decisions you're going to make that are good decisions. Verse 18, Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. By the way, I meant to tell you that uh, that word diligently and those who diligently seek me, that Hebrew word there is shakar, S-H-A-C-H-A-R, and it means early in the morning to seek diligently. I know some people who listen to Bible doctrine, whether tape, computer, or CD, whatever it is, every morning. This doesn't mean that you have to study doctrine in, in the morning, but it means you need to do it early, eager to get it. Then you have riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. Do you know that God owns everything? The Bible says that Jesus created the heavens and the earth, and they were created by Him and for Him. So He has anything that you want as far as wealth and prosperity, He's got it. He doesn't have anything that, that uh, or you can't want anything that He can't provide. But it doesn't do you any good unless you have the capacity to appreciate it. Verse 19. My fruit is better than gold, even pure gold, and my yield than the choice is silver. 
I walk in the way of righteousness in the midst of the path of justice to endow those who love me with wealth that I may fill their treasuries. That word for endow in the King James means to inherit substance. So if you want to be wealthy, if you want to be prosperous, then I would suggest that you seek wisdom. Because those are things that come with wisdom is prosperity. That's one of the ways that God can give you super grace blessings. It doesn't mean that he gives them all. Everyone who reaches maturity, not everyone is going to get super wealthy. Some will get more wealth than others. But that's the capacity for it. Verse 22. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way before his works of old. From everlasting I was established from the beginning, from the earliest times of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. In other words, this is talking about there's doctrine, the thinking of Christ, has always existed. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While he had not yet made the earth and the fields, nor the first dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he inscribed a circle on the face of the deep. We have a few folks here that was in the young people's class. This should ring a bell because I was teaching the scientific facts of the Bible. Here you have right here. It's talking about when, when, how long wisdom has been around. When he established the heavens, I was there and he inscribed a circle on the face of the deep. They didn't know that the earth was round until around 1492 with Columbus. And here we have uh, Proverbs that was written. Let's see when, when this was written. So many uh, thousand years ago. 950 B.C. So this was about 3,000 years ago. The Bible is talking about the salt circle or the, or the vault. And there's about three or four verses in the Bible that show that the earth is round. Verse 28. When he made from the skies above, when the springs of the deep became fixed, its boundary, so that the waters should not transgress his command. You ever wondered why the oceans don't just flood the whole states at a time because Jesus Christ is in control and the waters cannot transgress. They can't go past their boundaries. And then even where the the oceans or the seas meet the shore, it's all designed with the wave action so it wouldn't be stagnant there. Of course, you talk to evolutionists and this evolved over 20 zillion years or whatever it is. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the world, his earth, and having my delight in the sons of men. Now, this last, this next portion, get your pen ready because this is fantastic. Verse 32. Now, therefore, O sons, listen to me. 
For blessed are they who keep my ways. You know what that word blessed there is a particle of exclamation and it means, guess what? Happy. Happy. So many times this word is asherah in the Hebrew. So it says, happy are they who keep my ways. Heed instruction and be wise. And do not neglect it. Blessed. There you have it again. Asherah. Blessed is the man who listens to me watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorposts. If you want to be happy, this has got to be your attitude towards God's Word. 35. For he who finds me... Now, in this, it would be wisdom personified. But we would say, he who finds me... In fact, underline me and put capital B-D there. Bible doctrine finds life. But what it's talking, for, talking about is capacity for life. He who finds me finds capacity for life. If you don't have capacity for life, you don't have capacity to be happy. And obtains favor that would be grace from the Lord. Verse 36. But he who sins against me, look at this, injures himself. This is talking about negative volition. All those who hate me, that would be those who reject doctrine, the Word of God, loves death. And you might put there S-U-D, sin unto death. And that's it. That's Proverbs chapter 8. And I'm linking Proverbs chapter 8 with happiness because you can't get happiness apart from recognizing that God is in control and He's the one that gives you capacity for happiness, capacity for life. If you try to find life anywhere else and leave Him out, it's like a dog chasing his tail. Do you know that we are commanded to be happy? Here's some verses that command us to be happy. Psalm 37:12. Be glad in the Lord, you righteous one, and give thanks to his holy name. That's that's the in the imperative. Romans 12:12. 12, 12, be joyful in hope, and that would be in confidence, persevere in hardships, keep praying regularly. Is this not great advice? Sometimes we neglect the obvious. Be joyful in hope, persevere in hardship, keep praying regularly. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. Rejoice sometimes. No? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you have this idea that you're unlucky and you're down in the dumps, how can you give thanks for that? But God tells us to be thankful in everything. It says, for this is His will for you. Well, what about when you're being treated unfairly? When you're suffering and it's not your fault. That's God's will for you. He allowed that to come in your life. He wants you to exercise your spiritual muscles. Start thinking a little doctrine and applying it. That's the idea. Philippians 3.1 Finally, my brethren, keep on rejoicing in the Lord. Some of you don't look very rejoiceful this morning. I don't know. Maybe it's just uh, me. Uh, I don't see a lot of, yeah, 
Philippians 4.4. Keep on rejoicing. That's a present, present active imperative there. Keep on rejoicing in the Lord always. Again, I say keep on rejoicing. 1 Chronicles 16, 9, and 10. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Speak of all His wonders. Glory in His holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Are you seeking the Lord? Then why do some of you look like sourpusses this morning? I'm talking about happiness here, and some of you look like you just your dog just died. I'm reading tremendous scriptures to you, and you're like, I don't know what the deal is. I really don't. Look what this says. Sing to him. I bet if we broke into song right now, uh, it would. uh, Isn't it great? We we sang, Morning has broken. And every morning is a grace gift from God. We don't know that we're going to... Ha- None of us can know for sure whether we're going to see another morning. Did you really enjoy this to the, to the limit? I went outside this morning, and I have a pear tree. It's only about, I don't know, seven feet high. And the Lord has blessed that tree so much that if I hadn't picked some of the pears off, it would have broken over. I mean, it must have... It, the the tr- pear tree is only about this tall, and it's only about that big around. I didn't count them, but I bet it had 70 pears on it. And so I was taking these pears down, and I was thinking about how much the Lord has blessed me in so many ways. Including, we say, well, because your pear tree's got some pears on it, you think you're blessed? <laughs> yeah, I do. The fact that I even have a place. The, the fact that I have a pear tree that has pears on it. So much that I think, man, I've got to get rid of these pears. It's going to break my tree down. I went in the house and took pictures of that pear tree. I wish I'd have brought them. I wish I, I, I could have put it up here to show you before I picked the pears off. It was about to fall over. And it was beautiful morning. The dew was down on the ground. And, and, I, and I was thinking about that when we were talking about morning has broken. What were you thinking about? When this verse says, sing to him, sing praises to his names, speak of his wonders... These aren't just words. This is imploring us to know you're God. That's where happiness is. Sing to Him. I don't care if you can sing. Who gives a hoot if you're on tune or not? Make a joyful noise inside. When we play these hymns, they're not just to fill in space. This is part of worship. Music can do something that the spoken word cannot. It can reach in and do things to us that it just inspires us and lifts us up. I, I could have been singing this morning. I just Nothing came to mind, but my, I was just really up there. That's better. Some of you look like you're actually awake now. <laughs> I'm teaching happiness in a lot. The, uh. Psalm 32, 11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice. You righteous ones, and shout for joy, all you who are upright in the heart. Psalm 100, 1 and 2. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. That's what we were to do today. 
We should have come through these doors. Not, we can't wait to sing. And the choices of the hymns that we sing are always doctrinal. They're not this new age chant business that they have. Oh, yeah, Lord, yes, Lord, 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 yeah, Lord, Lord, and goes on and on and on and on. There's no doctrine in it. You know what I'm talking about. Now, sometimes I know that our song leader forgets to tell us to stand up. <laughs> but that's okay. We're just glad to have him here. We might have to get a name tag for him. <laughs> Sorry, John, just picking on you. Uh, shout joyfully to the Lord. You know, why, why do so many people think that Christianity is a bummer? That all the fun things are not in Christianity because people go around, you know, they got this drag, long dog look on their face. And they go through life that way. That's not what God wants. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to take opportunities. Next time you're someplace and there's ladders around, go stand under a ladder. See how it feels. That's fun. Just stand there. I mean, there's guys passing. You all seen some of the looks I had. I only had one or two takers, by the way, that would come and ask me, what are you doing standing under a ladder? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. But most of them would go by there and they'd look, look again. Well, what difference does it matter if I'm standing beside the ladder or under the ladder? I was getting the looks because I was under the ladder and thinking, uh-oh. He, he's, he's had. He, he's in trouble. That's much better. You're smiling. And Christianity is fun. I mean, we are out, we are no longer in bondage to our circumstances. And whenever the bottom falls out from under us and we still can sing to the Lord, what did Job say? He said, Though he slay me, I will still serve him. He is still my Savior. What an inspiration. Well, we're getting close to the end on this, and we are at the end now with regards to this service. So I'd like to end it by having everyone close your eyes and bow your head. Now, that means to do it, because I want privacy in here. That's the only reason I'm asking you to do it is for privacy, because there may be someone here that maybe for the first time in their life, see a glimpse, a little glimmer of happiness in what it's about. Maybe this is the first time they've ever been told that happiness is always related to God. Maybe they didn't know that. And they desperately want to be happy, but they don't know how to be happy. One reason they're never happy is because they're afraid they might go to hell. Well, I'm here to tell you that the greatest news there ever was is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, went to the cross and paid for your sins. As he hung on the tree, he said, it's finished. He took care of the sin issue. He died and was buried, and three days later he rose from the grave, and now he offers eternal life to anyone who will trust him and him alone for it. That's the best news you'll ever hear. The debt has been paid. The way you accept it is simply by believing in Jesus Christ. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to walk an aisle, raise your hand. All you have to do is 
in your own thoughts, because God knows what you're thinking, this is the moment that I'm trusting in Christ, not my works, Him alone. That's the moment you're born again, and you can start on the path to true happiness by growing in grace and knowledge and that capacity to have His happiness that is always enduring. Now, we thank you, Father, for giving us the high honor to be here to study your word. We pray that you will help us to remember that happiness is always related to you. And those times when we're down, we're discouraged, and we're troubled, to take those issues to you. And you promise that you will always hear our prayer and that you will take us through the storm. We thank you for that, and we pray this in Christ's most high and holy name. Amen.